And I'm going to read the scripture this morning and invite you to read a little bit with me. Um, near the end, I'll invite you to read. When John came, he didn't eat or drink as you do. And people say, he has a demon. But when the Son of Man came, he ate and drank as you do. And people say, this fellow is always eating and drinking far too much. He's a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Be, by wise actions, wisdom is shown to be right. Jesus began to speak against the towns when he had done most of his miracles. The people there had not turned away from their sins. So he said, how terrible it will be for you, Cherosen. How terrible for you, Bethsaida. Suppose the miracles done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon. They would have turned away from their sins long ago. By the way, those two communities were Gentile communities. The first two communities were Jewish communities. were kind of the home churches, and this, these were the Gentiles. They would have turned away from their sins long ago. They would have put on clothes of mourning. They would have sat down in ashes. On Judgment Day, it will be easier for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And what about you, Capernaum? Will you be lifted to the heavens? No, you'll go down to the place of the dead. Suppose the miracles done, if you had been done uh, in Sodom, it would still be here today. But I tell you this, on Judgment Day, it will be easier for Sodom than for you. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father. You are Lord of heaven and earth. You have hidden these things from wise and educated people, but you have shown them to little children. Yes, Father, this is what you wanted to do. My Father has given all things to me. The Father is the one who knows the Son, and the only ones who know the Father are the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to make him known then I'd like you to join me. Come to me, all you who are tired and are carrying heavy loads. I will give you rest. Become my servants and learn from me. I am gentle and free of pride. You will find rest for your souls. Serving me is easy and my load light. And all the people said, Amen. I was under a ton of stress. Ever been there? We had just had our fourth child, four, Wesley, and we had moved from this small town to what we thought was a way bigger town. In fact, we kind of called it a city in South Dakota. It was 12,306 people. So that's, that's a city in South Dakota. Um, but it was, it was 12,000 more people than the village we lived before, which was only 306. And the church, the Mitchell First United Methodist Church, was one of the biggest in the conference. Get this, it had 1,064 members. And they averaged 524 folks in worship, more than the whole city of Geddes, 306 in worship. Uh, I remember the first time I, I got up in that pulpit to speak and preach, I, my, my legs were just shaking. I was so afraid. Uh, this was the big show for me. Anyway, I was taking my position 
way too seriously. Have you ever done that? <laughs> to be honest, maybe it was even getting a little to my head. I know Cindy would say that. Cindy was at home and trying to you know, tie down the whole home front, hold it down, and I was going to meetings, doing weddings and funerals, leading an active youth group. I mean, I was not around home much. But when I was, Cindy and I were always butting heads. It uh, just seemed like I wanted to take charge when I got there, and she resented that. And so we finally did the wise thing, and I will say this is a really good for thing for all of us to hear. Go to a marriage counselor, please, you know. It's important. Do it. And this marriage counselor we went to, she was really good. I hated her guts for a while. She was really good. In a couple of weeks, she shared several great and helpful ideas just for me. <laughs> and one of them I will never forget. She shared with me that when I come home from work, I have this tendency just to come into the situation and change things, make my impact known. You, you want so much to be a part of things, Brooke, partly because you're not there that much, so you think you have to make up for lost time. But what you don't realize is that your family has been skipping rope together all the time you've been gone without you. So instead of just coming in and changing the game, changing the, the rhythm, which you do a lot, how about just taking some time to learn to skip rope with them? Just catch on to, to their rhythm and, and try to skip rope the way they're skipping on rope. So she suggested that before I came home, before I entered that door, that I sit in my car. I thought this was really stupid at first. <laughs> Come on, I need to get in the house, right? I need more time. But she said, no, sit in the car for five minutes and try to imagine what is the house going to be like? What's going to be going on? And just sit and breathe a bit and get in sync with your family, and what they're already doing. Now this Lenten season, that's what I'm asking you to think about doing with God. Instead of putting God on your calendar, trying to, instead of doing that, you know, okay, God, you're going to be here at 10 o'clock on a Tuesday, and I'm going to pray, and you're going to be there. Um, instead of doing it that way, Try to get in sync with God's calendar. Instead of asking God in prayer to come down from heaven and get in sync with you right now, take some time and become aware of where God is already present. And listen. And try to get in sync with where God's jumping rope already. Learn to jump rope with God. Listen to your life, to your heart. You know, doctors listen to your heart all the time, right? And they hear where it's out of rhythm, where it's out of sync, where it's not working, right? And they try to get it in sync. You can listen to your life that way, to your soul that way. 
What are you missing, man? Where are you off? And why? One of the things that we humans do so often is we fall into the mistake of either thinking we are or thinking we have to be God. Um, we get so frustrated with what we think is an absent God sometimes. So we decide to take control. You know, we, we take the reins. We, we start acting and thinking like we're the ones driving the bus all the time and the car all the time, spinning the world round and round. And, and when we do, we are lousy at it. We don't handle the stress. We don't handle the worry. We can't. We can't handle it all. We just don't do that well. We find ourselves laying awake at 2 in the morning, worrying endlessly because there's all these loose ends that we can't tie up, that we don't seem to have control of, but we think we better have control of. We look at our calendars and we add 47 more things on to our incredibly busy calendar because we have to. We've convinced ourselves. We have to because our families need us to. Because our jobs demand it. We get caught up in exponentially increasing our worth by upping the multi-task ratio from 2 to 3 to 1 to 5 or 6 to 1. Because, man, just think of the things I could do if I could get all these things to go together. Our worries turn into hurries, and pretty soon those worries and their hurries, you know what's going to happen. It does to me every time I get this way. I crash. I wreck. I fall. I have a, a physical crash. I've been two or three car accidents. Every time I've been in those car accidents, I have been so hurried and so worried and so scurrying around but that's why I got in them. I was in too much of a hurry. Or I have a physical or mental breakdown, a meltdown. We're not meant. We weren't created to be the ones carrying all the load. We aren't gods. We're creatures. There is a more a something more, or if you're an AA, a higher power, or if you read Dave's book, A River of Love That's Flowing Through All Creation, Amajo Deo, that we can lean on, that we can rest in. That's one of the reasons our early fathers and mothers and siblings were so insistent on creating this day of Sabbath. One day to do nothing. One day to lay down the calendars. One day to be reminded that we're not creator, but creature. One day to walk in the woods and reconnect ourselves to all the other creatures and to realize there's something or someone greater. One day to simply rest and lean on somebody else 
Susanna Wesley is one of my favorite Wesleys. I think she's my favorite. <laughs> but uh, John, I, I love John, but that guy, he didn't rest much. <laughs> Charles, I love because of the hymns. Um, so for those of you who don't know your Methodism, John and Charles are kind of the founders of the United Methodist Church. John was the strategist. He came up with all the method. But Charles was the heart, and he wrote all the beautiful hymns that have the heart. John Wesley experienced a heart strangely warmed, and Charles wrote hymns about it. But Susanna was their mother, and she had, I'm not quite sure if it was eight or nine or ten kids, so she had a whole bunch. As you can imagine, um, that would be hard for anybody to handle. And the story goes that Susanna, when, who, when Susanna had had enough of the kids, she would take a moment and she'd take her apron and she'd throw it over her head. <laughs> and that was a clue. All the kids had to sit right where they were and shut up <laughs> and give their mother a rest. And sometimes she kept that apron on there for five minutes Sometimes 10 minutes, and John Wesley once wrote, I think it was an hour once. <laughs> uh, and then when she found her center, down went the apron, up went the noise, and she was back at it. Today's scripture is really the scripture of this whole Lenten season. We read it on Ash Wednesday, Matthew 11, 28 through 30. And so I want us to read it again, just slowly. So I invite you to read with me. Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. And uh, let's try another version, Eugene Peterson's version. Let's try this. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. One of the struggles we have with the NRSV is this idea of yoke. Not many of us remember farms. Um, we think of yoke and we think burden, right? Oh, you know, heavy burdens. We think of an ox plowing fields and that yoke as kind of the thing that keeps the ox from being free. None of us wants that yoke. But I, I think of it a little differently. When I was a kid, we had this huge garden, about an acre and a half. Um, if you know anything about acres, that's a, lot of, that's a lot of garden. It was sizable. We had this large family. We needed all that land. We used, we used it not only for our own vegetables, but we sold the corn, cucumbers, watermelons to folks, and that money helped us buy new school clothes, fall. But every year my dad would have old man Mr. Law come out to dig up our garden with, get this, horses. He had two horses. 
And he had a plow, believe it or not. I mean, just an old steel heavy plow that they pulled, right? Now, this was ridiculous. Everybody had tractors. <laughs> we, why, why did he do this? But old man law, I mean, he would come. And when he came out, everybody in the community came out to watch him. They loved watching this, these horses work. Um, it might have been a late March or an early April. We always put in potatoes before Good Friday. I don't know why we did that. We often had to do it twice. But it was, it was neat to see that, that soil be turned over, you know, and just the image of that, you know, God kind of turning the old junk and, and giving us new soil to work. And then the sounds that Mr. Law would make um, with these horses, and the way they would adjust when he made them. He'd say, ha! And they'd do something, or whoa! And they'd stop, or, or a click, or a click, or two clicks, or five clicks. I mean, he made all sorts of noises, and each one of the noises, these horses adjusted. Sometimes it was just one horse doing something, then both of them. It was amazing to watch and listen to the symphony of rhythm. Those three were in sync. They were one. And the two horses were yoked together. They didn't have to carry the load alone. There were two places on that yoke. Two, um, um, in offering us a yoke, um, God isn't asking us to do all the work. God is actually offering us relief. We don't have to carry it by ourselves. We think we're just that one, but God's on the other side. God's offering that to us. Um, God is inviting us to let God carry some of our heavy load. To, to, it's God telling us that God wants to bear some of the heaviness of our lives. God can always change what we face. I don't know if God can do that. But God is offering to walk through the valley of the shadow of death with us. It's an offer of relief. Now I get it. We all want our kids, right, to be adults, and we're adults. And when we think of a successful adult, we think of an adult who can carry their own weight, bear it all, who has two feet to the ground solid, independent enough to carry their own load and help somebody else out too. That's what we want our kids to do. Sesame Street has this great song, All By Myself. My kids loved this when they were growing up, and I pushed it. We all want them to do it by themselves. I get it, I get it, but 
do we really want to take it that far? As far as we have carried it sometimes? We're such a rugged, individualist group of people. That's what we grew up on, right? But does it really work all the time? Because I don't know about you, I'm getting to that age now that I can't sometimes even reach to the top shelf myself. I need help sometimes, more than the low stuff. But I was talking to Camp Unity Eastside folks. Uh, that's our houseless community that we worked with here at Bear Creek for years. They, they kind of, we gave them the parking lot and they put up tents and, and we would be in community with them for three months at a time. And uh, hey, it was a successful community, Carl, right? Carl worked with it forever. Um, and it got so successful, they all found places to live, which is an amen, right? But I've been talking to a lot of them. Um, Kajo, Daniel, Alan, maybe you remember some of those. And to a man, and they were all men that I was talking to in this case, they all see, say one thing, the one thing they miss more than anything is community. They miss it. The times they ate together or ate with us. The way they had each other's back. The way they would take each other to the hospital if they were sick and in need of care. To a man, they have shared with me how lonely they are. How disconnected they feel now. How making it However nice it sounded like back then, getting out on their own, just isn't that great right now. It turns out, all by myself, not that great. <laughs> not that great. Turns out, throwing off the yoke of Camp Unity, they wanted so badly to get out of that community, which sounded so often when they first hit, awesome when they first heard it, is now full of loneliness emptiness, silence. They miss, should I say it, the click and the ha and the whoa and the hey and the hang in there and hey, come eat with me. And I think if you were to look at your life and were honest, deeply honest, I'm guessing you'd probably agree with that. Everybody's yoke is different. I get that. Each of us has a different rhythm that works for us. God has made us uniquely like that. Each of us needs to find ours, you know, our own personal rhythm, but so does our community. We need to find a rhythm, right? We need to find a way to sync. And I'm hoping that this Lenten season, that we, as in Bear Creek, and you, as in whoever you are, and take some time. Listen. What's missing? What's missing? And, and where are you out of sync? And maybe through prayer, fellowship, worship, trying something new, you might find a better rhythm or healthier rhythm. Maybe that means you're... you're Try joining the choir. Yes, we're still worshiping. We're still doing choir, even without will. Um, maybe uh, you need to try a new study, the prayer study that's coming up. Maybe 
that means you're going to come to Bruise with Brooke with me today at 4 o'clock. And uh, maybe it's about finding someone new to connect with here. Because we're not meant to walk alone. We're meant to walk beside. That's how God created us. And all the people said, 